0: Hey Logo Geeks, Ian Paget here and on this week's podcast I'm chatting with Mash Bonigala, the founder of Spellbrand to discover how he built his agency and his incredible story from building an agency, going into debt and then building that up again to bring in over a million dollars in sales. But before we jump into the interview I want to once again mention Logo Package Express because it's the single best investment that I've made for my business over the past year and I'm keen to make sure that you go and check it out too. A year or so back once a logo had been approved I've then pushed forward to prepare a kit of logo files. This would include multiple lockups different color variants you know CMYK, pantone black white inverted files for web files for print basically a really comprehensive kit for my clients so that they had everything that they need for all the different scenarios and uh, preparing that would take at least an hour sometimes a, a few hours d- dependent on uh, the uh, project and being honest it was quite a, a boring task Now when I create my logo files, I can do the exact same thing in a couple of minutes and I'm sure you're wondering how and basically it's with logo package express which is a a tool designed to automate this entire process so it's an extension for adobe illustrator and what it does is pretty much almost within a few clicks it will create all the different variants of the logo and also export it and organize it into all the different folders that you would need Uh, seriously it's an extension that saved me an hour on every project minimum so you know over the space of uh, a year it saved me hours and hours and hours and you know it paid for itself on the um, first couple of projects so if you're a logo designer this is an absolute must-have and I highly recommend getting it to check that out and to also get 20% off too just head to logogeek.uk forward slash extension using the promo code logogeek again that's logogeek.uk forward slash extension and to get 20% off use the promo code logogeek for transparency there is an affiliate link so if you purchase the product via that link you will help to support this podcast at no extra cost to you so if you want to go and check it out which like I said I highly recommend because it's it's just such an incredible product just head to logogeek.uk forward slash extension using the promo code logogeek to get 20% off so as mentioned this week I'm interviewing Mash Bonigala the founder of Spell brand a branding agency with offices in over five countries. I've been aware of Spell brand for a long, long time now. They've been doing this for years and, and I've been amazed by its growth. The site has a, an incredible amount of Really, really good content, and also an extensive amount of work too. I mean, they've done thousands of logos, and it's it's really nicely organized into different types of clients. So, you know, when someone gets in touch with them, they can point them to the right direction, which is really great. I, I've been really impressed by their approach for finding and attracting clients. So, uh, I was really keen to interview the founder, Mash Bonigala. But through interviewing MASH uh, for this episode, I've been absolutely amazed by his story. So he built an agency and because he was totally reliant on Google, when the algorithms changed, he went bankrupt. He then built that all back up from scratch And he's been able to bring in sales of over $1 million. It's a real zero to hero story. And I just find it really inspiring. So I hope you do too. In this interview, Mass shares how he was able to build the agency back. Uh, We also talk about their sales funnels for bringing in clients at different levels and how they use advertising through Facebook and Google, as well as some really interesting thoughts on the use of social media too. And Mash is one of those people that I could talk to for hours, and I find this story really incredible. So I'm excited to share this with you. So let's just jump straight into this. Here is the interview with Mash Bonigala. Spellbrand has been around for years. There's an incredible amount of work and a huge amount of uh, content on the website too. So it feels really established. I'd love to hear your story. Can you share with us how you went about building Spellbrand?
1: Now, Spellbrand is actually the third avatar, so to speak. I started as a a graphic designer, of course, a freelancer. And then I started a... Small graphic design firm, um, a logo firm called Logo Design Works, and this is going back years and years and years. And it was with a with uh, with with a partner back in uh, Sarasota, Florida, and uh, really it was one of the first I would say logo design online websites. There were very few at that time, and initially we had a a lot of success uh, as Logo Design Works, and. Although we were doing a number of other things, it was primarily driven by logo designing. Mm-hmm. And there, was, there were a few competitors, uh, but it was sort of quite an open field at that time. And fast forward a few years, we were doing really well. We were, of course, at that time charging com- comparable prices, uh, 199 to $499 or something like that. And mm-hmm. we were doing uh, $75, 100 maybe sometimes even 150 projects a month. Uh, It was all volume based and that went on for quite a while. That was a second avatar. And then of course, um, Google sort of intervened in our lives. And in about 2000, I think 12 or something like that, we were hit with Panda, Penguin, and our site was penalized terribly. So overnight, we lost our traffic. Our traffic went from, I don't know, something like 10,000, 12,000 visitors a day down to 500 or 700 or something like that. So we were building up Logo Design Works. We had a huge team. We actually moved from Sarasota to Cleveland, Ohio, uh, and Columbus. So we had, we had an office in Cleveland. Well, not an office, a small studio. And then we had another studio in Columbus, in Ohio. And we had quite a sizable team, and so overnight, the traffic went down like a brick. And of course, that means sales went down. So from about, let's let's just say an average of uh, 100 projects a month, we went down to, you would not believe this, but five, five <laughs> projects a month, sometimes even less. So anyway, uh, one dark day. I don't wanna be dramatic, but I remember clearly, and you know, Ohio is uh, Cleveland, uh, Columbus, they have terrible weather. Um, Anyway, this particular day was literally dark. It was dark, it was raining outside, and I had to fire everyone. It's not even downsizing. It was just, well, just just to back up a, a, a step, I kept on for a few months, keeping the team, paying the salaries, paying the bills. Um, so we ran out of the buffer. We ran out of the the bank account. Then I went into my credit cards. I started running out of my credit cards and it looked like I was looking at bankruptcy in the face. You know, this team, we've been working together for a few years. We were like family members. If there was a, a, a baby somewhere, we would all go to the hospital. If there was a death in the family for someone, we would all go and support them. We had family picnics. We had pizza nights, beer nights, you name it, right? And it was really terrible. And even though, and I remember this very clearly, even though I had this meeting and I was like, of course, they knew it because in fact, some of them were like saying, how long are you going to pay us from your credit cards, from your wife's credit cards? You know, mm. how, how long are you going to do this? So they knew it was coming. And that day I was in tears. I broke down. I was, I was literally crying and they were like, you know, it's okay. You know, we, we, we get it. It's, um, but anyway, so it was, it was a bad day, I, I, I let them all go. And I personally went into depression for, I would say three to four months, maybe more. I, I went into a cocoon, I was really depressed. As you can imagine, you know, I lost my business, but more importantly, I lost my team members and I had nothing in the bank, I had no credit. It was yeah it, it was it was it was the darkest day of my life but anyway, that was the second avatar fast forward after the depression uh, with the help of my wife you know I, w- I went into some kind of spirituality I was doing Zen um, meditation and it really helped me it, it pulled me out of that and I started sort of rethinking okay w- w- what have I done where am I and where do I need to go uh, obviously I need to do something and um, graphic design, brands, these—you know—I was passionate about these. I had an option to get a job in a previous life. I was a coder. Um, you know, I was—I was doing coding on Visual Basic and things like that. So I could get a job in, in the software development. But no, I didn't want that. I did not want to get a job. I was an entrepreneur. I built a company, and I loved it. I loved it too much to go back to being an employee somewhere and all that. But anyway. Slowly but surely, I started thinking about what went wrong. And I identified, you know, a few things that I made a mistake in terms of building the business. Uh, You know, putting all my eggs in Google's basket was one big thing. Uh, Not building a brand, but rather building a business was another. And of course, the third one was not building a personal brand. Because at that moment, I didn't have anything. I didn't have a brand. I didn't have a, a personal brand. And all I had was this website, which was penalized by Google. And I spent, of course, a few months trying to, um, you know, get out of that, uh, like everybody else, you know, clean up the website, clean up the links and send a disabove uh, request, but nothing, you know, maybe there was a, a small bump in traffic, maybe from 500, it probably went up to 800 a day, but that was nothing. It, so there began my journey of sort of really reinventing myself. So. I made a a vow to myself, to my previous team members, that never again in my life would I depend on Google or or for that matter, any single platform that would drive my sales, my revenue, my livelihood, you know, all this. So I then slowly started, you know, doing what everyone else does, I suppose, in terms of building a personal brand, content generation. So content, you know, all that. So Spellbrand actually was already a website that I had. And it was actually the registered company, it was a registered brand, but that was just it. It was just used for uh, the registered purposes for paying taxes and things like that. But I never, it had a landing page and that's about it. So I made this decision to shut down Logo Design Works and start Spellbrand fresh. And that was quite scary because there was always, you know, you always have this hope that miraculously, you know, I would, I would wake up one morning and Google had forgiven me, forgiven (laughs) Logo Design Works. And I, you know, I had the previous traffic and, you know, I used to fantasize and daydream about how I would call up all the team members because I knew they were looking for jobs elsewhere and call them up and say, guys, you know, forget about looking for another gig, just come back because, uh, Google Almighty has forgiven us and blah, blah, blah. So I had these this mm-hmm. fantasies and these daydreaming uh, dreams about this. But anyway, <laughs> that's what they were. They were just fantasies, right? So I launched Spellbrand and I think this was 2013, something around that. Yeah, 2013. I quickly put t- together a website. I Took some of the content. I'd, I'd written a lot of content for Logo Design Works, but primarily for SEO purposes, not for really um, this new mindset that I had, which was you know let's build a personal brand, let's do some real content out there, let's let's help some small business owners. I didn't have all that uh, with Logo Design Works. It was more about keywords, and you know you know how it was back in the day, right? Yeah, yeah. Everybody was doing it, and in fact, Google encouraged us to do it, to be honest, by counting the number of H1 tags and, and rewarding people for it. But anyway, to cut the long story short, I took some of the content that I felt had some merit uh, and was not really, uh, you know, just thin content that, that had no real soul. I then ported that over to Spellbrand. Back in those days when we were doing uh, like, you know, 100 projects a month, I had I had tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of logos that I could display. Now, with Spellbrand, I thought, no, this was not the direction I wanted to go. I, I wanted to really build a brand and not a business. And that might seem funny or maybe not, but I did not want a business. I wanted a brand. Um, now, of course, I could not say that so clearly back in 2013, but that was the the rudimentary kind of thought process that went into Spellbrand. I thought, okay, let's take a few of the projects that I I was proud of, not in terms of design aesthetics, but more about how I was feeling when I was working with that client. And the kind of manifesto that I wrote for myself, for Spellbrand and for myself, was to really do work that mattered. Now, of course, this is all cliche. Everyone says that. But at that time, for me to come from a... A logo design sweatshop, us doing a hundred projects a month. That you know, it's got to be a sweatshop. And then transitioning to something where I wanted to build brands um, was quite a shift. And of course, for the sake of this podcast, I'm I'm really cutting it short. But that took many months of soul searching, you know, Zen meditation and. With the little money that I had, in fact, I even went for a silent retreat. I remember I did a a, a week-long silent retreat, a Zen silent retreat, where all we did was meditate, you know, for five, six hours a day. And the rest of the time was uh, probably cleaning stuff and helping with stuff. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was uh, quite a, a journey. And Spellbrand began. And with Spellbrand, of course, all I wanted to do was create logos because. That's what we were doing and that's what I love, but I started building the content base quite a lot. So fast forward, um, yes, of course, I went through a, 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 you know, more struggle because no traffic, no recognizable brand, and a new website, no links, zero traffic. Yeah, it was quite a, quite a battle, but with the help of my wife, the support, a few friends, I was able to make the transition. And that was the birth of Spellbrand. Now I know it's a simple question, but I rambled on for about an
0: hour. No, no, that's exactly what everyone would have wanted to hear. And and, uh, I have to say that was quite an incredible story with so many ups and downs. So uh, you've really demonstrated the amount of work it takes to build a a successful uh, business and also where things can go horribly wrong if you do put all of your eggs in in one basket uh like you did um there's a lot to dissect here and uh so there's a number of things i'd like to talk to you about in, in more detail so i think to start off with you mentioned about putting all your eggs in one basket and being very reliant on on google what are you doing differently now so that in the event that google does change all the rules again and Um, you know, you was to lose all of the traffic, which I I hope doesn't happen. But what are you doing differently now to avoid uh, losing everything like you did?
1: Okay, so now I will split this answer into three parts and I will approach it from uh, like counterclockwise in the sense that I want to talk about what I'm doing now and then I'll go back to what I did when I started Spellbrand because what I'm doing now is, of course, it's been fine-tuned over the years. So going from depending on Google on day day, uh, zero with Spellbrand, and then what do I do next is a different story. So let me start what I'm doing now. Now, Google is, yes, we do get a lot of organic traffic because of the content we put out on our blog. And most of the content you see on our blog, relatively 98%, maybe 99% has nothing to do with logo design or graphic design or design in general. And that is intentional. That is quite intentional, um, because initially, when I started Spellbrand, and I was generating content, all of it was logos. It was about you know the best things about your logo, why you should have a logo, blah blah blah. You know the usual stuff. Uh, But now it's it's a lot more diverse. It's more about small businesses, about strategy. It's about building brands, marketing. Okay, in terms of sales, what we do now is we fine tuned a a very simple sales funnel now, at the core of it is one sales funnel, but then I dress it up differently for different markets and different strategies now, at the core of this sales funnel is paid advertising, and it is Facebook now, of course, a lot of people listening to this might not like the word paid advertising, but you 'll be surprised and i 'll tell you more about it and how this paid advertising is not the the, the kind of monster that you people think it is and it's actually quite beautiful it's it's very simple you don't need a lot of money to do that at least initially and then you use the momentum to build up but anyway so we have this sales funnel where Facebook ads is what drives most of our our sales but it's not sales funnel in the sense it's it's more of a lead gen funnel so there is no selling online we don't sell online anywhere uh, in our advertising or on social media. And, uh, and there's a very interesting sh- story where I turn my back on social media and I'll tell, tell you about it um, later on if you're interested. But right now, people come in through the Facebook ads and then we have a lead gen. Our primary focus is really getting people on a short discovery call. And that is for the high ticket Projects. So our company right now, our sales, our projects are split into three um, segments. One is high ticket, and these are anywhere from I would say three thousand dollars up until fifty thousand, maybe even more. We had a couple um, projects which are more than fifty thousand dollars, but on an average, you know, you're looking at high ticket three to seven ten thousand dollars, and then you have the mid range where you're looking at eight hundred to about $3,000. And then you have the bottom third, which is about $500 to $800,000. For the high ticket projects, this um, works beautifully where people come in through the top of the funnel and our only intention is to get them on a 20-minute discovery call with one of our strategists. Now, we, we're relatively small now still, and we, we'd like to keep it that way. So the high ticket projects we would like to get them on a discovery call. And that discovery call leads to the high ticket value. So even though the client might be coming in thinking they want to get a brand identity designed uh, for $3,000 or $2,000, $2,500, maybe that's what, even though they might have a big budget, uh, well, they usually do have a big budget because clients generally don't realize the kind of budget they have. Uh, It's because of the limiting belief that, design should only be, you know, just 10% of whatever budget that they have. So we lead them down the path and and we have a high conversion ratio on that precisely because we don't use, well, we used to use a gunshot approach before, but now it's more like a laser, uh, laser-like approach. So who, whoever comes into the uh, funnel, there's a sometimes even 70 to 80% conversion rate, which is uh, it's because it's very laser-like. Anyway, that's mm-hmm. the top of it. Then the middle section is where the usual small business brand identities, uh, 800 to 3000, which is still, for uh, a lot of graphic design companies out there, might be considered as a high ticket. And yes, we do still consider those as high ticket. Uh, we Let's call those medium ticket. And those mm-hmm. are usually, uh, there's, there's no discovery call, but there's a lot of nurturing them Through email, not email newsletters, I I don't mean that, but rather sales email. So they send in an inquiry. Uh, Again, yes, there is a funnel. So we dress the same core funnel in a different way. Again, Facebook um, ads coming in, but this time there's a mix of Facebook and Google ads. So we use Google ads also for the medium tier projects or clients or, or projects. And they come in and they submit an inquiry, they reach out. And then there's a back and forth. So there's no, we don't talk about the price right off the bat. We don't simply send them a price list. We don't do that for the medium tier. And then the third, the last bottom half is where these are small business owners who don't have big budgets. And there's no point in trying to make them spend any money because uh, they're at a state where they need all the help they can get in terms of getting off the ground. And having a good logo is one of those. And therefore, we, we have created a, a value-based service offering, which is around the $500 to the $1,000 range, but, uh, you know, keeps it really tight and still adds a lot more value to it. And, and those are actually, we don't use any paid advertising for that. So we don't try and attract that kind of customers um, through paid advertising. They come in through Google, uh, organic, but also social media. So Instagram, um, again, our Facebook uh, page, which got about, I think, I don't know, 23,000 likes or something like that. And um, another kind of, you know, like YouTube or whatever. So right now, this is the way we are getting our sales and our customers. And the bottom half, the one third, uh, in terms of, you might say, if, if, if you ask me, okay, in terms of revenue, how would you split these three? And I would say, well, the bottom one third accounts for, I would say 10 to 15% of our revenue. The medium projects account, I would say another 30 to 40% of our revenue. So together they make up 50% of the revenue and the the top third, the high ticket make up 50% of our revenue. That's how it's split and that's how we market it at the moment. And when we were beginning, Spellbrand, when I, when I started the, the new company at that time, again, it was all about organic traffic because I didn't have any money to spend on uh, paid advertising. But what I did, though, is from the lessons I learned with Logo Design Works, thankfully, what I did was whatever money I made, every single project that came in, I use the the Babylon strategy. I don't know if you've heard of it. I, I haven't. No. Would Would you mind explaining what that is? Cool. So there is a book, The Merchant of Babylon, and it's 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 a PDF. It's a free PDF. Uh, it's a, it's an old story where it's a very simple concept. But then when you read it, it's 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 very interesting and it sticks to your mind. But it, the, the basic the premise of the story is that there was this merchant in Babylon who went from zero to owning Babylon just because of one simple principle. In every single, well, at that time, I think it was called dinars or whatever it was, let's just call it a dollar, comes in. 10% he would put aside for business development, let's call it, for lack of a better word. And I used that and luckily I read that story because like I said, I was going through a lot of self-discovery at that time and I was reading books because I had nothing else to do. I had no projects, I had no work. Uh, you know, I was depending on my wife and, you know, there was, there was nothing. So I, I spent 18 to 20 hours a day literally uh, reading. And this little PDF, which is a free PDF, although when I, when I said, yeah, putting 10% aside, it's like, duh. I mean, it, but for someone like me or a lot of business owners who hardly spend any money on marketing, that should be an epiphany. Um, so what I did I took it a step further and any project from that day onwards, let's call it ground zero, day zero zero onwards, any project that came in, I would not take a profit. I would just pay the bare minimum bills and everything went back into building a pot for advertising, for marketing. Because I realized, okay, so when I was reflecting, I thought, okay, what is the alternative to Google? What was it? So what is Google? It was traffic that came in. Free traffic. And I know it's a podcast, you can't see me, but I'm doing this air finger thing, right? Quotes. <laughs> it's free traffic. No, it wasn't free traffic. Of course. I was, you know, we worked. We used to write content. We used to build links to bring that traffic in. So I thought, if it was not Google, what is the alternative? Obviously, it was at that time social media/slash. Paid advertising. Now, social media. Again, um, very quickly, I learned, even though I didn't know at that time, and I'll tell you why. It was to do with Google Plus. Till Google Plus, I thought social media was uh, the right way to get sales, and I was gravely mistaken. And um, you know, I'll tell you about that in a little while. But social media slash paid advertising was what I thought was the alternatives, and so I started putting aside money for social media i needed a lot of discipline and and i was able to do that because i saw bankruptcy in the face and because i cried in front of my team when i was letting them go and and i was crying for the next couple of weeks you know in my bed so i think that really gave me the strength and the discipline to put aside and and believe it or not i do it to this day, every project, it's an automated system so that we cannot tamper with it, so that we cannot touch it, goes automatically into a pot. And that pot, you know, even if I got hit by a bus tomorrow and, you know, we needed money for whatever, the hospital bills or whatever, uh, I'm just saying, you know, it's just a dramatic way of saying it. You cannot touch that pot. You cannot take money out of that to pay for those bills. Not, not me, not any of the team members, not, not anybody. And that's because that part is tied to advertising and it's automated and uh, our Facebook account and we do a few other um, paid advertising, YouTube and Instagram and all those. Those are all, uh, there's a card that is attached to that account and that card is uh, saved to all these accounts and we don't have a physical card. That card is cut up. I I cut it up. Every time that bank sends me a new renewal card or, you know, when it expires or whatever, uh, they send it to the company. We cut it up. We throw away the pieces. Um, So anyway, that's the Babylon strategy that we used. And that helped me really snowball. It started with about 40 to 50 percent of every project I put aside. And you know what? Before I knew it, I had a sizable amount. I think it was the first time I started advertising was when I had, um, I think it was $1,000 or $1,200 in that account. Now, $1,000 to $1,200 for some might seem like uh, not a lot of money for paid advertising, but today, to, well, what is 2019? So we crossed a million dollars in 2016. So from January 2014 to 2016, that's two years, we went from zero actually debt on the books because I had all these credit cards I had used uh for, for paying my employees. It went from that to we crossed our million dollars in revenue. Wow just because of that thousand or twelve let's let's just keep it clean and let's call it a thousand dollars. So we went from that thousand dollars took us to a million dollars. We crossed a million dollars in 2016. And I'm not I'm not saying this to brag, okay. It's it's not about that, but to 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 show that you can go from a a graphic designer to starting a company, then getting destroyed by the likes of Google or in this case, let's say even Facebook. Yeah, and I you know I'll talk about it too and the plans I have in place to mitigate in case Facebook advertising closes down. What do you what am I going to do? Right, because that is what I did mistake with Google. So anyway, um, so from that to A million dollars can be done with discipline, with some strategies, uh, you know, with with the right kind of approach. Yeah, I, I was able to do it.
0: I just wanna take a short break to tell you a little about something I've been working on that I'm really excited about. It's called the Logo Designers Box Set, six eBooks designed to help you through the logo design process, from what tools you need, how to create a logo design brief, how to come up with ideas, how you present your work to clients, what files you need to prepare, and how you also find clients of your own too. These six eBooks are totally free to download and you can find them by heading to boxset.logogeek.uk and by downloading them you'll also be signed up to my email newsletter where I'll keep you up to date with all the latest podcasts and content that I'm creating so I hope that you'll sign up and find that uh, set really useful again that's boxset.logogeek.uk now let's get back to the interview it's such an incredible story. I, I'm I'm really loving this, and and as you've been speaking, I've been taking down notes of questions I want to ask, but I, I have quite a few. So uh, let's see how many we can do. So um, I, I think to start, I, I want to ask you about um, paid ads and how that's been working for you. I know you said about twelve hundred dollars, and uh, that really doesn't seem like an an awful lot when you consider that you was able to bring in over a million dollars worth of sales, which is incredible. Do you have any advice for listeners for using ads in the way that you have?
1: Yeah, sure. So just to give a context to what I'm about to say, um, just so that there's continuity in this story and all the pieces are connected. When, when I started with $1,000, I was doing Google ads at that time because Facebook advertising was not really uh, a thing um, or at least I didn't know about it. And, but Google ads, and I used it on Google ads begrudgingly because I knew Google had to start our business, but I was giving more money back. But then of course I separated my mind from that and said, no, this is the way I'm going to make Google help me get back on my feet and, and, you know, take me to the next level. So anyway, I started with Google ads now as a graphic designer at that time. So what did I have? I had Spellbrand website. I had, yeah, a good body of work. I had a lot of experience um, working with small clients uh, who probably, not probably, who were, I would say 99% of the time, borrowing money to pay for their logo. Um, They were probably using a credit card. Some of them didn't even have a credit card. They would use their wife's credit card, maybe their brother's credit card. So the biggest shift as a graphic designer that I made, and again, this may not be an epiphany for a lot of people, but for me, it was, and it still is the core pillar of our company, is shifting the mindset in terms of the target audience. So target audience, shifting my mindset in terms of the target audience, I would say is was the biggest game changer for me. So I decided to stop looking at or targeting customers who couldn't pay as simple as that i that was my biggest and and i see a lot of graphic designers now working in that kind of mindset and th- there's nothing wrong with that mindset you know there, there's nothing wrong with the mindset itself but it's about having clarity in terms of what you want to do and target audience matters when you're growing if you want growth you have to look at target audience over the years the biggest investment I made is figuring out, understanding, educating myself, and learning how to target audience through paid advertising. So I I did this because the $1,000 that I had in my account that I I thought I could spend towards advertising was precious to me. It was so precious. At that time, I had one daughter uh actually no i had two daughters to be honest yeah she was born yeah she was okay so i had two young daughters and um uh, well one older and one very young daughter and it was you know that thousand dollars could have given us a vacation a much needed vacation you know it was so precious to me i didn't want to simply throw it at google ads and you know pray in the wind so that's where my education began and I spent three months learning Google Ads. And I remember, I, that's why I say 1000 and not 1200 because I think I spent $200 out of that. I paid for a course. Uh, I don't remember what it was. This is
0: years ago. Um, but I think it was Neil Patel. Yeah. Do you know Neil Patel? Oh, yeah, I do. Uh, Neil's done some incredible content. He's done loads of free stuff. So if you want to learn more about online marketing, he's a great person to be following. And you know, funny
1: thing is actually Neil Patel was a great source during our SEO days. And then when we were wiped out, he ended up being a great source for my education into Google AdWords. And I don't know if it was a course or it was Aaron, somebody. Anyway, so I spent that and I advise this to any graphic designer right now, even if they don't have plans on spending on advertising, even if they don't have plans on starting an agency. And starting an agency is never a plan, I know that. uh, But educating yourself on how paid advertising works. And I don't mean Google ads, I don't mean Facebook, I don't mean Instagram. I mean to say paid advertising, the concept of paid advertising, all the big Companies out there, all the big brands, all the big successes, all the big agencies, at the core of their success lies paid advertising. And I hate to say this and I hate to break the news, and maybe I'm wrong, correct me, but social media, being an influencer, no, none of those. Being an influencer is the surface. And this, uh, and if you can note it down so that you can ask me this question, is this goes back to what I said about turning my back on social media, and I'll tell you why I did it and how that helped me. But just to get back, social media marketing, as it's called, is is actually very superficial. Yes, it has its place uh, to build you up as an authority and as an expert. And of course, yeah, don't get me wrong, that is, yeah, I, I've done that. But don't ever mistake that to be the only. If you look at any influencer out there, any brand personality, and any agency, it's all paid advertising. So I spent three months really educating myself, doing nothing else. Literally nothing else, except for yeah, I was meditating, uh, taking my my daughters out for to the park, and the rest of the time was this because I didn't have any clients. So anyway, I was writing maybe a few articles. So at that time, thousand dollars, and even till today, right now, targeting yes, to get back to what I was saying, targeting your audience, and I know I keep harping on about it, and a lot of the audience listening to this uh, podcast might say, yeah, we know that, we know, of course, it's it's quite obvious. No, it is not that obvious. Um, people think they know their audience. Believe me, every single day I wake up thinking I know my audience, and every single, every single day I'm proved wrong. Um, sometime or the other, something proves me, and I say, oh, really? And then we tweak the audience. And we spend about 70 to 80% of our time on, fa- on Facebook advertising tweaking the audience. Really, not even build, not even writing copy because copy doesn't ra- really matter. Well, it does, but it matters only when you, when you have fine-tuned your target audience. Because look, you could pay the best copywriter on this planet, write something, and then you throw it at uh, an audience that doesn't really care. It doesn't matter. So you could spend $20,000, and we did this once, $20,000 to get a sales, sales letter written. And we did this when we were hitting verticals. And that's another marketing strategy that we use. We still use. And it's very effective. Um, so we paid someone $20,000. And don't get me wrong, it, it was not his fault. Fantastic sales letter. But at that time, we were not as attuned to the concept of target audience as we are now. And this is going back, I think, uh, About a year, year and a half. I think it was 2017, something like that. And we spent $20,000. Guess what? We probably made about $400 out of that campaign. (laughs) (laughs) But that shows you that target audience is very important. We have a specific pipe within our Facebook advertising sets, or not only Facebook, but other advertising set where we filter out anyone that on Facebook, for example, that has graphic design not only in their bio, in their about, even in their messages, we, we just filter out. Yeah. Why? Graphic designers are not our audience. You know, you cannot sell a logo to another graphic designer, right? You cannot sell <laughs> strategy to another uh, brand builder, brand identity designer. So, but you know what? You would not believe this. A lot of uh, graphic designers who might already be using paid advertising, I don't think they have a filter to filter out other graphic designer, they might have it at a a, a, a a surface level where they just say, "Oh, anyone whose job says graphic designer," but that's nothing. A lot of people don't say, "I don't say graphic designer in my bio anywhere." Uh, well, now I do, uh, because I'm I'm now on a, a mission to to sort of get into the education um, side of um, things and and build a community like you and give back. But till two weeks ago, three weeks ago, nowhere does it say graphic designer. So. This long-winded answer to your question was to say, that is how we, I took $1,000 and that is how it's helped me. Um, I did not lose the 1000 or
0: in advertising
1: because I used it after understanding. So any graphic designer advice out there, go into paid advertising, do it. It's not a monster. It's not going to eat up your money if you do your homework first. So put the the paid advertising as a goalpost down the line, two miles down the line. And remember, two miles down the line and this path, you're not running on it, you're not jogging on it, you're not even walking on it, you are crawling on it. So that's why it's two miles. It's gonna take a long time to get to that two miles. Now, within these two miles, learn the fundamentals of paid advertising, but more importantly, learn how to target audience. Not everyone out there is your, you know, potential customer. A lot of people say if, if you know, I've, I've done a lot of workshops and uh, again, I don't, we, you won't find this on our website or anywhere because this is something that I've been doing privately, you know, actually even secretly because I wanted to do it for my own satisfaction and because I'm very passionate about it. And when I ask the question, anybody, Even regular customers, forget about graphic designers. When I say, so who's your target audience? A lot of graphic designers say, oh, yeah, you know, any small business. I would say if there was one word you remove from your um, brain in terms of targeting people is the word small businesses or entrepreneurs or people starting a business, which might sound counterintuitive, but think about it no they are not small business owners no that that's not how you look at it you've got to look at i don't know ben who is working nine to five hates his job is gonna is being itching to start a, a new business you know we're looking at ben not some small business owner uh even if ben has started a business he would be your customer if he has a a crappy logo and um you know he, You need to educate Ben that by improving his logo and his image, he's going to get better sales. So that is the level of um, target audience thinking you should be doing and not just generic kind of small business owners and things like that.
0: Mm, I I love that you said this. Uh, It's funny because I I get to see a lot of ads that target small business owners and entrepreneurs because, um, you know, I fall under the category of a small business owner. And uh, there's sometimes ads that actually say, like, are you a small business owner? Along with, say, like a picture of Malin in a suit. And it's so far away from how I see myself that I don't even relate with it and, and I don't even see myself as a small business owner so uh, for me it just shows a total lack of understanding um, because I just don't identify myself in that way and if those people understood more about the people that they were really targeting they would probably use completely different language and and approach it in a, a totally different way so I, I'm really glad that you've uh, said that and I, I hope it will open listeners eyes as to how they should be going about creating content and ads and uh you know start to picture who their target audience is a lot better um anyway there was something you said earlier about turning your back on social media and and i like to share some thoughts on my own then uh, i like to hear your take on it too but i'm someone who's put a lot of time and energy and effort into. Social media, I've been working on it for years now and I would say I, I'm a real advocate of it. Uh, Twitter, for example, I've been active on that daily but it's, it's opened up the doors to so many exciting opportunities. Uh, for example, being a judge on Logo Lounge, being invited to write for um, a really authoritative site like Creative Block. Um, I've been invited on podcast interviews, you know, I've been interviewed by Chris Doe, I've been sent free books to write reviews on, Um, I've also been able to build a passive income from that too. I I mean, there's so many great things that have happened uh, because of my use on social media, but I, I do agree that people probably look at all of that work and see those numbers, see all the work that I put into it and assume that that's what you need to do to be getting clients but that's not how you get clients at all like i i've personally put a lot of time and energy into my website so that people can find me on google and i spent time creating content i spent time building backlinks um you know it's from google that i get all of my leads so i i know that even if i didn't have a, a presence on social media at all i still be Bringing in sales and making an income. So, I, I do agree with you that social media isn't necessarily important in, in that way. Like, for, for me, I, I maybe only really spend about half an hour a day on social media. And uh, that's normally in what I describe as dead time, you know, time when I'm like eating my breakfast or when I'm waiting for a train. Um, but it it's those small daily actions that have allowed me to build a large following on social. And because of that, you know, doing that over a number of years, that's allowed me to uh, do things like get sponsors to create a podcast like this one. But all the big stuff that's really making a, an income for me, you know, bringing in clients, that's stuff that people don't see because it's not public. Um, you know, all the all the behind the scenes stuff, the the work on SEO, the work on marketing. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much my thoughts. But I'd love to hear uh, what your thinking is.
1: Sure. Um, Actually, Ian, you've you've actually hit the nail on the head. Um, You know, it's exactly what I'm about to say. Now, yes, uh, I don't know, a couple of days back, I was watching this uh, YouTube video. um, Gary Vee uh, Vee was um, saying something about uh, building a a brand online and all that. And he had calls coming in and one of the callers was asking him, Gary, you know, I want to build a show like um, Joe Rogan did. Right? And I have about a thousand followers, but I'm not really going anywhere. And I wanna reach that, that level that Joe Rogan did. And he said, what do I do? Gary, um, I'm just paraphrasing this, and um, this is to just give context to what, what I went through. And Gary said, you know what? You will never be Joe Rogan, so don't try. And uh, secondly, it took over 10 years for Joe Rogan, Doing other things before he has this show on YouTube now, which is wildly successful, the same is the case um, you know you the logo geek has been around forever you've you've been commenting and posting
0: inspiring yeah you're right i've been working on it for for years now but the podcast i've only been doing for a couple of years but i'd never been able to do that the, the way i have without putting in years of effort to build an engaged audience but um like i said it's been small actions every day
1: Absolutely. And you know what? I remember years ago that uh, I, uh, you know, you had shared this new um, logo that's, co- that's come out for the London Olympics, I think, or, or maybe later, I don't know. But you've been doing it all these And never during this time, I think, from what I know, from what I've seen of your uh, kind of interactions and, and, and your footprint and, on, on social media, you've never um, asked for a sale uh, or said, well, I'm launching this and I'm launching that, come on, I'm going to give a 10% discount. None of that, right? Not everyone can be you. Not everyone can be Joe Rogan. Not everyone can be Gary Vee. Okay. Gary Vee started by talking about wine on YouTube when people didn't care, especially in America. Well, now, yes, the culture has changed, but they're not big wine drinkers, you know, not like Europe, uh, not like in France or Spain. And yet, he put out video after video, day after day, day after day, tasting wine, you know, talking about wine. And of course, today, VaynerMedia, whatever. So what I'm trying to say is it will take anybody five to six years of um, agenda-less participation on social media to enable sales to come through. And I'm not kidding. And I've tried that. Now, going back, why did I turn my my back on social media. Okay. When I say I turned my back on social media, yes, I'm, I'm still there. Uh, even this morning, I'd uh, shared something on our um, uh, Facebook page, but uh, I turned away from it in terms of expecting sales from it. When I started out, I was expecting sales from social media every single day. I was on social media just because of that. And in fact, Google Plus was a platform that really encouraged me to do that. And I thought, okay, this is where I'm going to get sales. And you know what? One fine day, I realized that I was wasting time on social media instead of building my business. Now, somebody might say, well, being on social media is building your business. Yes, if you do it like Ian, you know, if you do it like you, or if you do it like, uh, um, you know, what's the other guy? Logo Love, uh, what's that? Um,
0: Are you thinking of David Airey?
1: David Airy, right? Now, David Airy, a similar arc to yours. But of course, it's much more focused, I guess. Like like you said, for you, it's it's part-time. But for him, it's yeah. full-time. I'm sure he had to pay his bills. So he needed projects coming in the door. Uh, but initially, he was very active. He still is, of course, on Behance, dribble, you name it, he was there. And he was inspiring people. And then he launched his book. And I think now, uh, you know, it's inspiring people brings in more money than actual projects. Maybe, I'm just saying, I'm just assuming, okay. So I realized that, you know what? I was spending time on useless forums, useless groups, you know, listening to people just rambling on and like I'm doing now, but but it was just chatter, noise. And this is 2012, 2013. Now the crescendo, the noise is even worse. So if you're starting out now, Don't bother unless, unless you have an agenda, you have a a clear strategy. So sit down, think through the strategy and identify and decide what is it that you want? What is it that you want? I decided because I was crying into my pillow. Again, dramatic, but true, very true. At that time, I decided I had this fork in the road. And what was it? I had a strategy well, not not strategy, a goal to start a company again. I, actually, in fact, my immediate uh, goal was to bring back the team that I had fired because I loved them so much and I cried letting them go. Um, of course, later, you know, that, that changed, but my initial immediate um, goal was that. So sit down, think about it. What do you want to be? Do you want to be an influencer? Then that is a path that has no, assurances in terms of getting projects. You know, you're not going to get logo projects. You're not going to get book cover design projects, brochure projects, website projects, UI projects. No. Influencer, yeah, you get those projects after you become an influencer, but it will take you five to six years. But okay, now, uh, maybe not five to six years because, you know, platforms are sophisticated, maybe two to three years. But still, it will take you time. If you can pay your bills while you do this, then choose that path. If you want to pay your bills, then get a job. And do a part-time building up your influencer kind of path. But if you have to pay your bills, or uh, if you want to build a company, uh, a design company, or even if you want to be a very successful graphic designer, freelancer, you know you don't want to build a company, you don't want to have a team and be responsible for them and like me, cry if they have to be fired, if you want to be just yourself, you want to be a superstar by yourself and sit there like David Airy, for example, or someone similar uh, who gets a, a a big project, a $5,000 brand identity project, where he might do a, a logo and a style guide, uh, maybe a secondary icon, and that's about it. That's a good path. But again, you do that by doing a, another job, paying your bills. If you want to build a company, if you want to build a an agency, then nah. Social media is not the path to take you to the agency. That's what I'm saying. Uh, you can be there. You want to selflessly help. You can do it. But if your goal is to build an agency, then you will find very quickly that you will not have time, um, you know, to, to spend time on forums and groups and threads and, uh, you know, chatting and you, you, you won't. So for me, initially I was, I was spending time, if you go back and if you look, if, if you look at the history you will see that I was posting, I was spamming like everybody else. I was sharing resharing, sharing re re re-sharing, re-re-resharing, re-re-re-resharing, uh, which is what everyone does. And it's just adding to the noise, nothing original. Yeah, the, or, the only original stuff that I would have probably shared was project work that I did, which everyone does. And And you know what, sharing project work, you should do it only if you're looking for constructive feedback, if you're at that stage. But once you cross a stage where, I'm not saying... I believe I'm a a great designer. No, no, I'm not saying that. But if you think that you're a fairly good designer and if you ask for feedback online, all you get is trolls talking trash, which is what happens about 80% of the time, because the people who can give you really good feedback, they're not there on social media. They're probably fine tuning their Facebook funnel and building an agency, you know, so that, that, that's the path you need to choose. And you need to make a, a, a clear definition. And I turned my back. I, uh, from then on, my chatter went down. Uh, yeah, now and then I do it because my clients expect me to be on social media. And that's a very funny thing. It's a funny, it's a funny different story, but that's maybe uh, not the topic of this podcast where, you know, clients are, they are multiverse, you know, they're, they're the same client it has a different personality in a different universe. You know what I'm saying? Uh, for the sake of my clients, I do that even till today, and I'm I'm not ashamed to say it. And my clients will listen to this podcast. That's fine. Yes, guys, I do it for you. I'm on social media because, uh, you know, you look at it and you would judge me and say, uh, this guy is gonna create this strategy for us, but he himself is not. That's because my goals are different from yours. My business is different from yours. My thought process is different from yours. What is important for me? You know, my family, yeah, of course, my wife, my kids, my dog, fine wine, travel, and that's it. So that's it. So your path might be different. Your goals are different. So therefore, you would need to be. So I'm not telling you not to be on social media. I'm just saying, think through it. Just going on social media, getting on Twitter every day without an agenda, without a proper concrete marketing plan in place, a document that you can physically actually print out. If you don't have that, going on Twitter and then responding and then thinking, okay, I'm going to, there's a, um, Ian uh, has posted, you know, Mash Bunny Gala's podcast. So uh, there's a thread and I'm just going to uh, pass a comment there because Ian might like it and that's got blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that, do it if it's fun. Do it if you genuinely think that Ian's, podcast of MASH Bonigala sucks because this guy went on rambling and he wasted my time, then yes, post a comment there to say, Ian, be careful who you choose next time. You know, don't get people who probably are clinically psychopathic or they're being diagnosed with some kind of insanity. That is fine. But then don't think that you're going to like the comment and you're going to post a comment uh, or the podcast and think that that's going to lead to some kind of monetary a reward for you in the next week or so. Forget about it. Mm. So that's why I turned my back. And even till today, um, but, 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 and I'm going to conflict myself. I'm going to shoot down everything I said going forward six months, maybe a year. I'm going to change my strategy because my goals have changed. My path is going to be different. And yes, you're going to see me a lot. And that's why I responded to this podcast. And I'm glad I did that. I'm doing it on Ian's show because I don't want to name any podcasts, but I a lot had come in the past. But at that time, I wasn't interested because I didn't want to share anything. I, I was busy building the agency. Do you see what I'm saying, Ian?
0: Yeah, I really do. Uh, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, what you're getting at is that most designers, and I'm guilty of doing this too, uh, spend way too much time in places uh, where their clients don't hang out um and instead they they really need to be spending their time working out who their audience is and then creating content and ads tailored towards those people uh that's where does where designers need to be spending their time um especially if they're searching for clients obviously you can do everything else if you're listening um i i make time for that too but if you're really searching for clients and you need them i I agree with the mash that you you definitely need to be um, doing that A- anyway mash I'm I'm actually really conscious of time because we've been speaking for uh, over an hour now and uh, we could easily keep going for several hours so I, I think um, I think we definitely need to get together another time to carry on the discussion because uh, I still have got so many more questions um, I could ask but I, I think for today uh, I'll bring the interview uh, to an end um, like I said your story is Incredibly inspiring, and I'm excited to see you being uh, more active on social media, like you said. So, thank you so much, Ty. Th- so, thank you so much for your time today.
1: Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much, Ian. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry that um, even um, simple questions probably we should have taken five to 10 minutes, probably took 20, 25 minutes. is because I was going into so much detail. And um, in fact, I wanted to talk about, you know, the conversion process, you know, how to convert your customers and, um, you know, how to actually go after big ticket clients and things like that. But yeah, you're right. It's it's got to be maybe for the next one, I will learn and I'll try and keep it succinct and, um, you know, try to keep my personal stories to a minimum. But this has been a fantastic experience for me. Like I said, this is my first ever. Yeah, I've done a few YouTube videos. Um, Yeah, I've done a a few attempts at podcasts. Um, you know, I would start one and then I would do a few. Uh, but this is the first time I'm actually talking to somebody else and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you so much.
0: You're very welcome.
1: Just to give you a bit of my feedback, just to end this, um, like I said at the beginning of this call and um, even in the middle, I think, um, Ian, I respect you a lot and um, you've, your arc I think it's a great arc in terms of, it's, it's a great lesson in how to use social media. And I think the graphic designers out there, and that's what they're doing, of course, that's why you have such a following, that's why your, your Facebook group has, has um, that level of engagement and audience. And your kind of pro group, I think that should really take off because people can learn a lot from you. I love the way you share selflessly. Yes, of course, the arc today is where you're making, you know, all these um, efforts at monetization, if you will call it that. Mm-hmm. But I I believe that, you know, you have shown how someone can go from just, just sharing st- stuff selflessly into becoming an influencer. Um, that goes against what I said, but my discussion was primarily aimed at graphic designers who want to pay the bills and who want to uh, build their companies, not at people who want to help others like yourself. So I appreciate it. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, And um, yeah
0: thanks mash um just to go back to your apology for going into more detail um and sharing your story I, I personally really enjoyed that and um i i appreciate all of your insights and advice and and i'm sure that the audience will um agree uh so like i said thanks again uh for coming on it's been really great uh, chatting and um i'm sure we'll catch up at a later date to carry on you
1: too, take care and have a great weekend
0: What an incredible and inspiring story Mash has and um, I feel we only really scraped the surface in the episode so I'm really keen to get Mash back on at a later date so that we can dive a little bit more into some of the topics that we spoke about. So to learn more about Mash and his agency head over to spellbrand.com alternatively check out the show notes for this episode where i'll share links to all of mash's sites social profiles links to any resources discussed in this interview and a full transcription too to find the show notes head to logogeek.uk forward slash 5.5 If you're keen to discuss any of the topics spoken about in this episode with me and over 7,000 designers from around the world, join the Logo Geek community on Facebook. It's free to join and to take part, just head to logogeek.uk forward slash community. If you want more from the group, join Logo Geek Plus where you can take part in a private forum away from the distractions of Facebook and also take part in group video calls. You've also got the option to take part in small team mastermind sessions where you can get help and support directly from me and a small group of select designers. To join Logo Geek Plus just head to community.logogeek.uk It's only $10 a month to join and it's the best way that i found to really get to know me and mingle with other designers where you can make friends whilst also getting help, support and motivation too. Again to join just head to community.logogeek.uk So that's it for this week, but I'll be back the same time next week for another exciting episode of the Logo Geek podcast.